Yes, that's right. Former President Donald Trump has been indicted. Again. This time for January 6th. Now, this third indictment brings him to 78 felony counts, totaling over 600 years in prison if he's charged. Oh, and by the way, there's still another indictment in the works. Now, an interesting pattern has emerged, and many Americans have been following the timeline of Biden corruption getting exposed, and then shortly after, the emergence of new Trump indictments. Let's take a look. June 7th, FBI releases documents to Congress alleging the Bidens took a 10 million bribe from Burisma. June 8th, Jack Smith indicts Trump in Mar-a-Lago Doc's case. July 26th, Hunter Biden goes to court and rejects sweetheart plea deal after it was revealed that the DOJ tried to give him blanket immunity from future prosecutions. July 27th, Jack Smith adds more charges for Trump in the Mar-a-Lago case. July 31st, Hunter Biden's former business partner testifies to Congress that Joe Biden was on over 20 calls with his son's business partners and that Burisma execs pressured them into firing a prosecutor. August 1st, Jack Smith indicts Trump again for January 6th. My friends, what we are currently witnessing is a masterclass by Joe Biden in the art of distraction. Also, it probably helps that he has the entire media and the Justice Department on his side. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez, your host for this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in as we venture through another historic month in the United States of America. Now, when I say historic, I truly mean it. Every single article that I've read about the various indictments, the various felony charges that Donald Trump is being hit with always starts out with never in history has a president been hit and charged and uh, indicted so many times. But Donald Trump within mere months has. Very interesting. It kind of seems like it's political persecution at that point, don't you think, guys? It kind of seems like uh, you have a corrupt DOJ, a corrupt media, a corrupt administration turning the United States into a banana republic to stoke chaos and fear in the American people. But I don't know, I might just be crazy. We're going to be getting into all of that today. We're going to be talking about, again, this latest distraction that the Bidens are trying to keep us all away from right now. We're going to be delving deeper into that. We're going to be delving into the Trump indictment. Uh, you know, some of you might have already heard about this. It might be a little bit repetitive. But I always like to reiterate what's actually going on with these indictments because the media really banks on the average American being so inundated with news every single day and felony charges and indictments of Donald Trump that they can't keep up with all of it. So, you know, for the sake of keeping everybody informed, we're going to be going into all of it today. We'll also be going into a little bit of culture news. But before that, please remember that this show is funded, sponsored, supported, like, shared, all that good stuff by you guys. And I truly thank each and every single one of you. I am planning to do a one week exclusive merch drop in October because you guys begged and pleaded. All right, I'm finally doing it. And I just want to shout out all of my subscribe star subscribers because all of the money that I have saved via donations is going towards this merch going toward making you guys a great product so big shout out to all of these subscribers on subscribe star this is one of the easiest ways to support the show you go down there you get to see some secret updates on where I'm at with merch next trips I'm going on all of that good stuff also you can leave a five-star review on apple Podcasts if you have not please do so we are almost at 600 reviews and in honor of that I am going to read two of them tonight one from r and r 1674 that says great show keep up your pursuit of the truth you rock sab thank you rnr that is so sweet and also free patriot tim who says awesome show thank you for always sharing the truth you should do podcasts more often i know guys i know i just have a lot going on and i appreciate you all i'm also going to be dropping some new videos, you know, more like sit down commentary, delving into specific topics, because I know a lot of you guys have been asking for shorter form content. So I have a lot of projects in the works um, regarding the merch drop that is going to be happening in October. You can find info for that on my website, savsaysofficial.com. That was a lot of info. Let's get into the important stuff now, the news. So I just opened up the show with this uh, 
fun little pattern that we're seeing, right? Joe Biden giving us a masterclass, a TED talk, and how to divert and distract from your own corruption while simultaneously destroying a country in record time. So we went over all of the dates. And, you know, this is so apparent as well. Great job to Greg Price on Twitter for highlighting this, how within mere hours, okay, this is within a 24-hour time frame, prosecutor Jack Smith goes after Donald Trump every single time the corruption of the Biden family gets exposed. And again, this is, it's, it's not surprising. We all know the Bidens are extremely corrupt. And I know a lot of people are getting really upset because it's like, okay, what are Republicans going to do about it? What do we do at this point? We've seen the blatant corruption. And now we are seeing Donald Trump having to fall on the sword because they need something to distract from how corrupt Hunter Biden is how corrupt Joe Biden is. And again, this is the third indictment. Let's just do a quick run through. First indictment was hush money for Stormy Daniels. Second indictment was these classified documents that uh, Trump had strewn about Mar-a-Lago. Apparently you can't do that. Even though Joe Biden had boxes of classified documents next to his convertible in his garage, I think Bill Clinton had a similar story um, um, having classified documents. But remember guys, we live in a hypocritical society where Democrats can get away with the literal murder. But if you're on the wrong side of the political aisle, you get indicted, you get charged, you get made an example of and that's what we're seeing happen to Donald Trump right now. So let's just go into the latest Biden corruption. So we're all up to date on that. Devin Archer, if you guys haven't heard this name, this was Hunter Biden's former business partner. And he gave testimony to Congress that then Vice President Joe Biden was on more than 20 business calls with none other than Hunter Biden. Now, step one in the uh, distraction masterclass, get the media on your side. This is from the New York Times, okay? Now, Joe Biden has been saying for the past couple of years, and I quote, I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. Sounds more like Bill Clinton, but we'll take it. We'll do my fake Joe Biden voice, okay? So direct quote from all August of 2019, um, I this might have been in response to Fox News's Peter Ducey being like, hey, Joe, there's some allegations here. They seem pretty serious. What are your thoughts on this? Biden vehemently has denied ever being on business calls with Hunter. And now all of a sudden he was on 20 of them. Luckily for Biden, the New York Times swoops in and says, Biden spoke with Hunter Biden's associates repeatedly, <laughs> but it's long been known that the elder Mr. Biden at times interacted with his son's business partners. Lesson one in the diversion and distraction masterclass, get the entire media on your side, create an entire propaganda arm that will gaslight the public after you've been lying to them for years and you get exposed. Then you have the media come in and uh, again, inundate the people with these these new falsehoods of like, oh, well, like actually, um, yeah, we've all known that for a long time. You guys didn't know that Joe Biden interacted with Hunter's business partners. Come on, guys. And uh, the way that the media as well is trying to frame this is that uh, Devin Archer basically is saying that Hunter Biden sold the illusion of access to Joe Biden. OK, so uh, that's what we're being told right now, that there was this illusion to access to Joe. And uh, let me play a, a clip for you guys, because this is Democrat representative Dan Goldman, uh, who was he's kind of like serving as a de facto attorney, if you will, or lawyer for the Bidens. And this was his response the other day when all of this came out, when Devin Archer was like, yeah, he was on multiple business calls. I know Joe Biden has been lying to the American public this entire time, but he actually was. So uh, not only do I want you guys to watch this guy's body language, listen to his voice when people are nervous, this is usually how they sound. Um, so let's listen to the damage control uh, coming from Dan Goldman on behalf of the Bidens. So, so to confirm, you're saying that the speakerphone conversations, they don't seem concerning to you because there is no specifics about business. It just seemed like it was clear about. that it was clear that it was as part of the daily conversations that Hunter Biden had with his father. Um, and it was and and sounds like most of the time uh, now President Biden didn't even know who the people he was at dinner. He was just asked to say hello. Uh, and he would, you know, talk about the, the way he described it several times. They asked over and over and over. He described what the weather was, how. Uh, how what's going on on your end
how I, uh, I, I really don't want to be caught lying myself. So I'm going to really stumble and stutter around so I can kind of try to think about what I'm saying before I say it because Joe Biden was on this business call, but he was just talking about the weather, guys. He wasn't talking about business. Okay, let's go ahead and play devil's advocate here for a moment, okay? So former business partner says that, let's pretend that this is Donald Trump Jr. sold the illusion of access to Donald Trump. So let's just pretend here, let's play devil's advocate. Let's go ahead and reverse this really quickly because we all know what this would look like if, let's say, Donald Trump, not even president at the time, let's pretend that Donald Trump was vice president like Joe Biden was in this situation, okay? He doesn't have as many powers as he would have as a president. Let's pretend Trump was vice president and then Donald Trump Jr. was on business calls with foreign, you know, people. And, and then Donald Trump popped up but he was just selling the illusion. Trump was just there to talk about the weather, guys. It was nothing. And, and then Donald Trump lied about it a bunch of times. And then it came out to be true. How do you think the media would react differently? I think we can all answer that question. Um, you know, anybody with common sense and two brain cells know the, knows the answer to that. But uh, here we are. Uh, now, Devin Archer also sat down with Tucker Carlson and basically said that Hunter Biden's speakerphone calls with his father we're an abuse of soft power. Uh, he goes on to talk about how he doesn't know if it was an orchestrated call-in or not. It was certainly powerful, though, because you're sitting with a foreign business person and you hear the vice president's voice. That's prize enough. That's pretty impactful stuff. So going back to CNN's um, <clears throat> headline there, Hunter Biden selling the illusion that you know, he has Joe Biden's ear, the illusion. Right, right, guys. Uh, what about the Bidens getting a 10, what was it, billion dollar bribe from Ukraine and then that prosecutor getting fired? Anyways, uh, sorry, let's go ahead and um, continue on with this. Uh, now, let's also highlight as well, Charlie Kirk kind of laid this out too. Uh, Rep Representative Dan Goldman from Manhattan says, again, Hunter put Joe on the phone 20 plus times just to talk about the weather, never mind the vast web of LLCs established to conceal the sources of money flowing into Biden coffers, never mind that nine different Biden family members were on the take, never mind the confidential source who says Burisma bribed the Bidens with 10 million, uh, sorry, 10 million. I said 10 billion. Um, it was 10 million. Let me get that correct. Never mind the fact that Burisma pressured the Bidens to fix their Victor Shokin problem. Uh, never mind that Joe Biden is on video bragging about getting Shokin fired and threatening to pull a 1 billion US loan guarantee. Never mind the 10% for the big, big guy. Uh, so again, Kirk kind of lays out there all of the talking about the weather that seems very coincidental with all of these various other uh, Biden scandals. But of course, because this is the masterclass and because the Democrats are the most corrupt of the corrupt and they continue to get away with whatever they want to, uh, we have a lot of people on the left wing who are coming out with tweets like, um, all of this potential foreign influence stuff with Hunter Biden is exactly what the Kremlin wants you to think. If you're looking for a story here, it's this Joe Biden loves his troubled son. Everything else is disinformation that should be banned on social media. Now, this comes from Eli, Eli Lake, who says that this tweet was facetious. Obviously, he's making a joke. But we have heard this essentially from the media. It's like, oh, yeah, uh, Joe Biden is just a good son. The media has consistently come out and been like, we need to stop attacking Hunter. It's just a low blow to do it because uh, Joe Biden, it's a family issue. All of these Hunter crackhead photos, um, you know, Joe Biden is just very a part of his son Hunter's life because he's a good dad, because he loves his son. So if he was on these business calls and then corrupt business dealings happened afterwards, um, it's because they had a close relationship, but what was Joe Biden supposed to do? His son was on crack. He needed to support his son. It was just, he's being a good, loving father. And that's basically the media. Now, uh, this was another interesting thing that came out today in line with the Bidens. A Hunter Biden diversion agreement just docketed in Delaware. Paragraph 15 has the global immunity stitch up. So it says the United States agrees not to criminally prosecute Biden outside of the terms of this agreement for any federal crimes encompassed by the attached statement of facts and the statement of facts attached in exhibit one. Uh, this agreement does not provide any protection against prosecution for any future conduct by Biden or any of his affiliated business. Cernovich saying this is a de facto pardon from the DOJ. That's why Biden said he wouldn't give Hunter Biden a parland. 
a pardon because Garland already did. So again, um, hopefully <clears throat> the majority of Americans now seeing how truly corrupt our Department of Justice is. And again, this isn't even at just the federal level, like local judicial systems, state judicial systems have also been severely impacted across this nation. And I think we've seen that with a lot of the trials in recent years. Um, now, one of the other things that the Bidens have been trying to distract and gaslight the American people about is Navy Biden. Now, this is Joe Biden's seventh grandchild, okay? Now, for the past couple of years, Joe and Jill did not want to acknowledge the fact that they had a seventh grandchild and that the seventh grandchild was Navy Biden. Now, the reason they didn't want to acknowledge Navy is because she is the child of a former stripper or, you know, hooker, whatever you want to call her. I'm not trying to be rude to the mom, but I think that was her former uh, work, I guess, that she did. Met Hunter Biden along those lines. They have a kid together that's Navy Biden. Now, remember, just like how Joe Biden was like, oh, yeah, I was never on any business calls. Uh, Biden has refused to acknowledge Navy Biden. Uh, the press secretary has been asked about this well as well. She's refused to respond. Um, but now the tides have turned. And uh, here we go. I have uh, seven grandkids, uh, four of them old, five of them old enough to talk on the phone, you know, every day I either text them or call them. So there you guys go. He now has seven grandkids. And then uh, this also came out the other day uh, in an interview with People magazine. Joe Biden finally acknowledges that he does, in fact, have seven grandchildren, saying Jill and I only want what is best for all of our grandchildren, including Navy. Now, one of the reasons why people think that this is also coming up to light is because people brought light to it on social media and Joe Biden's poll numbers were absolutely plummeting. So on top of the corrupt Hunter Biden business dealings, on top of all of the lies and corruption and bribes they have been caught and involved in, uh, the Navy Biden story was just adding on to all of that. So now, again, the Biden's trying to run damage control and gaslight the entire country into thinking that he always acknowledged that he had seven grandchildren, that he didn't pretend that Navy Biden didn't exist for years, that the family didn't ice her out of their entire lives. But, you know, it is what it is. So there you guys go. That's what the Bidens are currently trying to distract everybody from. And Trump gets indicted for the third time. So let's go ahead and delve into a little bit of what this indictment is. Just so, like I said, for the sake of everybody, we're all up to date on the third indictment, because let's be honest, guys, I could barely keep up with the first and second one. The first one was Stormy Daniels. I was in New York for that. And I was just like, this is just madness. It's ridiculous. I'm not even passionate about commentary regarding this situation because I'm so blackpilled about the state of our country. And then we had the second indictment come forth and it was like, okay, are you serious? A second one? Come on, guys. Like, this is kind of getting old. Now we're, we're at number three and number four is still set to potentially uh, come out as well. So from the New York Post, Trump indicted on four counts accused of making knowingly false claims and bid to overturn 2020 election results. So we're throwing it back to January 6th because the Democrats just absolutely cannot let that go. They're narrative that this day was worse than Pearl Harbor. It was essentially our second 9-11. It was horrible for our democracy. It was violent. It was extreme. Uh, reporters and congressmen alike had PTSD after this day. That narrative really didn't stick, especially after more footage from January 6th came out. So they really lost the plot on that one. So now they're just trying to repin January 6th on Donald Trump because they cannot lose this narrative. They have to keep it alive. It's like it keeps dying and it just it needs to die. And, and it's trying to die, but they keep like resuscitating it. They're like, no, no, stay with us, please. Don't die. You got to stay with us. They will not let January 6th go. So Trump gets indicted for the third time. Now, the third indictment brought against Trump in four months consists of four counts, conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, obstruction of an attempt to an obstruct an official proceeding, and conspiracy against rights. It's almost like I should be reading an indictment that should be brought against Joe Biden, but uh, we're not allowed to talk about that one there. Now, the 45th president of the United States 
faces up to 55 years in prison if convicted on all of these charges. Now, keep in mind that this is one of the three indictments. If you add them all up, they uh, equal over 600 years in prison time. We'll get here in a moment. Um, however, there are still some silver linings to this absolutely ridiculous uh, indictment here. Sagar and Genty points out two interesting notes about what's not in the indictment. Anything actually uh, to do with the January 6th riots or violence and any charge that prevents Donald Trump from running for president in 2024. Uh, DC Drano, lawyer on Twitter as well, also highlights that Trump was not charged with insurrection or seditious conspiracy. And again, this is very important because despite all of the bad headlines that is that are going to come along with this, uh, he will not be prohibited from being president under the Constitution. If he wins, he can pardon himself. But if he loses, he will likely be imprisoned. This is what is at stake. Now, the reason why I like to bring you guys this amalgamation of various voices, various analysis on this situation is because, again, I just want us to be informed. And let me give you my own analysis here now. Let me take a step back from just giving you guys the neutrality of this is the indictment and give you guys what I think. Uh, the importance of this indictment means. Now, like I said, I honestly have been burned out on all the indictments. Uh, I think that it's really early to be talking about 2024 news because I know how election cycles work. This is really like the second one that I'm going through where I'm really paying attention to all aspects, okay? So there's a lot of patterns that happen, right? Ahead of 2024, you see a lot of violent rhetoric ramping up against typically the right wing. We saw this in 2020. We saw this in 2016. And to me, the importance of this indictment is that it wasn't only an assassination of the character of Donald Trump, but also the assassination of every single one of Trump's supporters. Because now let's keep in mind that the left wing has their talking points ahead of 2024. Now it's, oh, why would you defend Donald Trump? He's been indicted three times. He's a potential felon. He's a criminal. He hates democracy. Basically, all of the 2016 nonsense, except now Joe Biden has weaponized the DOJ against Trump to make it look more legitimate, despite the fact that even if you look into these indictments, they're all nonsense and they should be dropped immediately. Uh, we'll be going into uh, Prosecutor Jack Smith. And again, how ridiculous what he's trying to charge Trump with actually is. But what I think this truly means and I like to take a step back because right now it's like, okay, the big narrative everybody's running with is Joe Biden's corrupt, they indict Trump, and they keep attacking Trump to distract from Biden. But this isn't solely a distraction from Joe Biden. This is also the beginning of instigating violence against Trump supporters or anybody with common sense ahead of 2024. We are going to continue to see this type of rhetoric ramp up. And this is the beautiful way that Democrats, it's the very manipulative way that Democrats Democrats utilize the media and now our justice system to justify political violence and violent rhetoric against their opposition. Since Biden has been uh, gotten into office, he has continued to call not only the right wing, but anybody who opposes him really a MAGA extremist. And why do they use that type of language? Because they want to be able to utilize that weaponized uh, Justice Department against you to put you in jail for defying them in any way, shape or form, which is what they're doing with Donald Trump right now. So, you know, I've already told you guys that I think that Trump is the strongest candidate, but they're really trying to make a martyr out of him at this point, and it will only make him more popular and strong against this intense corruption that he's facing. And, you know, when this dropped yesterday, a lot of people were like, oh, they're coming after Trump. You are next. No, it's not a you are next. It's a the. DOJ has already been weaponized against the American people and it's already being utilized against them. Let's take a peek most recently at Jacob Chansley, who was just released from prison after what, two and a half years? 
after evidence came out that he was peaceful on January 6th. Uh, evidence, by the way, partially released by Tucker Carlson, a private citizen. Why was it up to a private citizen to release evidence that was being withheld by the January 6th commission, aka our own weaponized federal government? So when people even, like, I want you guys to understand that it's not, oh, they're coming for Trump and we're next. They're already coming for us. We already have the FBI, FBI labeling parents as domestic terrorists for being angry about what their own children are being taught in schools. We already have Americans being told that if they think the wrong way um, politically, that hey, maybe it's okay if we shut down their bank account because they say bad things. We're consistently hearing that hate speech isn't free speech because what is hate speech in the modern day? It's saying there's only two genders. It's saying I like Donald Trump. That's constituted as hate speech. And now your social credit score goes down. You're not allowed to buy groceries at the store anymore. That's where this is ultimately leading to. It sounds extreme, but I can show you examples of all of this that have already happened in the modern day. So that's what I think this is kind of setting the stage for is just more violence and slandering of the character of anybody who has common sense and who sees that these political indictments are an absolute witch hunt, which they are, which again, you guys already know all of this, but I mean, that's kind of the one take that I haven't really seen anybody else talk about. Uh, now let's go ahead and go into Jack Smith, who is just, again, this prosecutor who has come after Trump again and again. He's just one of the most corrupt of the corrupt. Now, NBC News, they came out with um, a portion of this indictment after it dropped. Quote, for more than two months following Election Day on November 3rd, 2020, the defendant spread lies that there had been outcome determinative fraud in the election and that he had actually won. These claims were false and the defendant knew they were false. So I saw this tweet from NBC. This is the angle that they went with and my brain automatically jumped to. So they're indicting Trump for utilizing his First Amendment right. In layman's terms, that's the easiest way that I can put that for you. Uh, Greg Price also highlighting in the indictment that in the third paragraph, uh, Jack Smith says that President Trump had a right like every American to speak publicly about the election and even to falsely claim that he had won, but he's still indicting him for it anyway. In addition to obstructing the January 6th congressional proceeding, I guess by giving a speech at the ellipse. That was Greg's extra commentary there. But that's essentially what this indictment is. It's the criminalization of free speech. And again, this is setting the stage for all of Americans' free speech to be attacked. And we've already seen that various, various times. Uh, via censorship on social media, this has kind of been the soft core way to get people to accept the censorship of speech that ultimately bleeds into the real world, where now if you say you like Donald Trump, guess what's going to happen in 2024? Oh, you're a little Asian grandma who owns a local business and you're tired of being looted and robbed because you live in a lawless Democrat city and you're like, hey, maybe I want a Republican president because they uh, enact a little bit more law and order. Maybe I want a Republican leader. I'm going to put this MAGA hat on. Boom, you get punched in the face. So that's what this sets the stage for. You're not allowed to have free speech online. Everyone accepts that. And then you're not allowed to have free speech in the real world because, oh, you're hateful. You're not allowed to think that way. So you deserve to have violence against you. Also, we're going to weaponize the justice system against you as well because you're clearly a terrorist for not agreeing with uh, having your rights taken away. So that's what the Jack Smith indictment is in layman's terms. He is uh, trying to demonize Trump for saying that the uh, 2020 election was stolen. And I want to play this video for you guys, okay? <clears throat> it's 10 minutes of Donald Trump uh, denying election results. And it's going to be hard for us to watch because, uh, it, you know, the First Amendment in this country really doesn't exist anymore. So here's an off-limits video of Donald Trump, of Republicans, all denying the election results in 2020. It's going to be really difficult to watch, okay? He just got indicted. Let's all understand the severity of denying election results. Watch this video. You can run the best campaign. You can even become the nominee and you can have the election stolen from you. How can you win with Russian interference, though? That's, That's what I'm thing. scared about. No, it. But rightly. Because right. I think he's an illegitimate president that didn't really win. So how do you, you know, fight against that in 2020? You are absolutely right. He's an illegitimate president in my mind. Would you be my vice presidential candidate? <laughs> Folks, look, I absolutely agree. Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. 
He lost the election, and he was put into office because the Russians interfered. Trump knows he's an illegitimate president. The president-elect, although legally elected, is not legitimate. I don't see the president-elect as a legitimate president. You said you believe that Russia's interference altered the outcome of the election. I do. We have a president who, if in fact it is proven, uh, has been assisted by the Russians and may in fact not be a legitimate president. <laughs> Whoops, guys, sorry about that. Uh, I told you it was Rep Republicans and Donald Trump denying election results, and uh, that's apparently illegal now, which is why Trump was just indicted. But I accidentally played you one minute of a 10-minute long video of Democrats actually doing that same thing. And let's keep in mind that they did this for the uh, presidential elections in 2000, 2004, 2016. Democrats have been denying election results. Democrats have a master class in denying election results. But is any Democrat ever going to be indicted for denying the election? No, absolutely not. Because again, we live in a two-tier justice system. Now, uh, Harrison Smith puts this out, just a, a little background into who Jack Smith is. He says, reminder that prior to being appointed to pursue Trump on three different unrelated legal cases at once, Jack Smith's only accomplishment was convicting a former governor, bankrupting him and destroying his political career with a charge that was later unanimously overturned. And this comes from Fox News, and it says, former Virginia governor, Republican, Virginia Republican Governor Robert McDowell, once prosecuted by now special counsel Jack Smith for violating federal bribery law, only to see his conviction unanimously overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court, said the ex-war crimes prosecutor would rather win a case than have the facts correct. Well, would you look at that, friend? So it seems like there is a pattern with Jack Smith here to completely overlook facts or, uh, you know, basic reality. So that way he can go and try to uh, destroy his political opponents. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Another interesting aspect to this indictment that uh, is most likely not going to be brought up, but should a thousand percent be this one comes from Thomas Massey. How many feds were part of the so-called conspiracy to obstruct and obstruction of an official proceeding and counts two and three of this indictment? The Department of Justice has refused to answer this basic question for over 930 days. Very great question, Thomas Massey. Let's not forget all of the feds that were there on January 6th. Are they going to be indicted for their obstruction of an official proceeding, their uh, their conspiracy to obstruct? No, they get off scot-free. Uh, let's not forget, I believe it was Ted Cruz who was sitting there with the head of the FBI and was like, were the feds involved with uh, perpetuating violent acts on January 6th? And they were like, oh yeah, we, we can't answer that. We can't answer. But again, Donald Trump facing over 600 years behind bars if charged with all of the nonsense that Jack Smith is throwing at him from Politico. 641 years behind bars? No, but Trump risk, Trump's risk of pre prison is real. I can't talk today, guys. I'm pulling a Joe Biden. Of the more than six dozen felonies that Trump is accused of, many often result in harsh sentences. Donald Trump now faces 78 felony charges across three criminal cases, many of them carrying the potential for hefty prison time. If Trump were convicted on all counts and given the maximum statutory penalty for each one, he would face a whopping 641 years in prison. And why is that? Because this is about sending a message, my friends. This is about the uh, Department of Justice sending a message not only to Donald Trump for defying them and actually standing for the American people, trying to run our country in a reasonable way in which our economy was booming and our border was more secure. Uh, but this is also about them sending a message to each and every single one of you Americans if you ever think about getting out of line. Now let's take a peek at the district judge who has been assigned to this case because yes, my friends, it continues to get worse. From Jack Posobiec, the Trump case has been assigned to U.S. District Judge Tanya S. Chutkin, according to the court docket. Chutkin, an Obama appointee, is the only federal judge in Washington, D.C., who has sentenced January 6th defendants to sentences longer than the government had requested. So there you guys go. It seems like this is going to be a free and fair trial. I mean, think about a jury in Washington, D.C. Do you think that would be fair and impartial to Donald Trump of all people? Probably not, but uh, it is what it is. And that's why we see, because the average person can see, the 
intense corruption, the intense bias, the two-tiered justice system, the disgusting distractions that the Democrats continue to throw at us via the uh, persecution of the one person who actually did speak for many, many Americans. Uh, because of all of this, again, he's gained more popularity than ever. And we have uh, many vocal people with huge followings like Keemstar here saying Trump can be sentenced to life in prison. I'm still voting for Trump. And uh, I want to play this video of Trump. I'm not sure where he was. Um, but again, just giving you guys an example of how popular this man is. Uh, here's him exiting his vehicle to, again, cheers from the American people. Joe Biden could never, Joe Biden would never have that type of energy or applause or cheering around him because everybody can see that he's slowly dying before our eyes. Could never have energy like that similar around him. Nobody likes Biden that much. Trump, that's all natural. That's real energy. That's why, again, the entire deep state, if you will, is quaking in their boots and they have to destroy this man at all costs. Now. With the third indictment, many people on the right were very, very upset. We had Cat Turd here again. Cat Turd, very right-wing political commentator, has over, I believe, a million followers. Yeah, almost two million followers on Twitter. So basically, when this commentator puts things out, people listen. He says, Dear loser Republican Party, you have officially pushed us too far with your weakness. I, along with millions of others, will never vote for your party again, except on very rare occasion. You are spineless, worthless, neocon, do-nothing cowards. You give zero value to your base. Stop sending me requests to give you money. Good luck winning in the future without America. Uh, first or the MAGA vote, I'll vote for Trump, but never any one of you useless cowards again. So he puts out this very angry tweet, a lot of people feeling the same exact way, consistently asking the question of where are the Republicans. But Scott Pressler comes out with a very beautiful response uh, that I think is important. And you know what? Maybe this is one of the reasons why the Democrats are going full steam ahead, because they know that Republicans are soft, that Republicans are not going to push back, and that's only going to enrage their base. So I don't know if Democrats are you know, smart enough to be playing this type of 4D chess here, but maybe they continue to push this forward, not only because they know they're not really going to be facing repercussions right now, but on top of that, they can anger the base enough knowing that Republicans aren't going to do anything that that said base will then turn on their own party. So Scott Pressler, who does an incredible job of registering people to vote and enacting real world change via voting, via getting the right people into office, says, hey, Cat Turd, if your followers support Trump and register as an independent, they are actually hurting Trump. And Arizona, California, Florida, Kentucky, Louisiana, New Jersey, New Mexico, Nevada, New York, Oregon and Pennsylvania. These are all states where you must be registered as a Republican to vote in presidential primaries. It's a real possibility that Trump's challengers pick up more delegates, especially if Republican voters are able to vote, aren't able to vote in the primaries. So Scott, again, coming out, voice of reason. I know a lot of us are angry with the Republican Party, but let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater here. Um, Scott, again, saying, I understand how upset voters are with the Republican Party leadership. He himself has been reaching out to Ronald Daniel for the past 110 days. Um, with that being said, he wants to make Joe Biden a one-term president. And all of us, uh, again, completely abandoning the Republican Party, like the way that our system is set up. If you do that, that may hamper your own ability to vote in future elections. So let's keep our eyes on that. Let's always be aware of all of the angles to these things here. Uh, because again, I get it. I understand the anger that many people have for the Republican Party and how, you know, a lot of people are tired of turning to the other cheek and being better than this. It's like, no, go full steam ahead. You indicted our guy uh, three times going on four. We're going to put your guy in jail for actual crimes that he committed because we want to see justice in this country. Now, one of the candidates coming up on 2024 that has been just making ways been incredible on the Republican side of the party. We all know that Donald Trump's our guy, but I have to just give a huge shout out to Vivek because he has really been on top of everything. 
Now, DeSantis, to be quite honest, I feel like his entire campaign is over. It doesn't have energy. DeSantis himself, I feel like he's a great governor, but he doesn't have the authenticity that Trump or even Vivek have. Speaking of masterclasses, watch Vivek right now. He's giving everybody a masterclass on how to speak about important issues, how to be relatable to the public, how to bring light to important issues that many people, again, are so inundated with the news by that they forget about. I think that Vivek is doing a good job. And in the 2024 polls that are coming out, he's actually tied with DeSantis and actually coming in at number two. So he is continuing to gain support like I said, he's essentially the Tulsi Gabbard of our race this year. Great head on his shoulders, common sense, but he's going to be the Tulsi Gabbard of the Republican Party, meaning that while he is great, I don't think he's going to be a match for Donald Trump. Uh, however, I have to give credit where credit is due. And for those of you who are like, hey, I want to know how to be more relatable on, I mean, in the political space or learn how to talk to people or, uh, you know, speak about issues that are substantial, look at Vivek and look at what he's doing, because he's do doing an incredible job of this. Uh, now, people try to come out and say that Vivek was tied to the World Economic Forum. Um, so he decided to sue them, because uh, basically he said they try to give him uh, an award that he rejected. Um, the WEF, he said, tried to throw false bait by naming him a young global leader. And then he explicitly rejected the award, but they refused to remove his name. So he sued them and he succeeded. They met all the demands in the lawsuit. They publicly apologized. They disavowed and they made a commitment to never name someone again without their explicit permission. So I think that this is great. Uh, it's really refreshing to see any candidate come out against the World Economic Forum because we have seen various times how they will install leaders throughout not only the United States, but the world, and then how those countries subsequently fall apart to ridiculous like climate nonsense, ESG score type stuff that just brings the country to its knees. So refreshing to see Vivek come out against the WEF. Also, he put this out uh, the other day. It's been mo more than four months since a trans psychopath shot and killed six innocent people at Covenant High School in Nashville. Four months and still no answers. He's basically talking about how the FBI and local police are not uh, releasing the shooter's written manifesto, bringing light and bringing, you know, attention back to this very important issue that a lot of us forgot about. Uh, so he's going to be holding a press conference um, with uh, Candace Owens and local community leaders in Nashville because, you know, he, he wants to get to the bottom of that. And I think that him bringing light to that is awesome. Uh, also, too, wanted to shout out Vivek. Look, I'm not a part of any campaign. Full transparency. Like, I had the the Trump campaign reach out to me and be like, Sav, we love your work. We'd love for you to be a part of the, the campaign and kind of help boost the president's message. Never really talked about this publicly. I don't know if you're supposed to do that. It, you're probably not, but you know, I like being honest with you guys. And he said, no, because I said, I love Trump. I think he's great, but also I have to be able to really honestly uh, critique Donald Trump when he does great things or when he does bad things. Uh, and I have to be able to also highlight the other candidates in this race. So, uh, you know, it was really a big honor, but I said, no, Sometimes I think about that and I'm like, Ugh, I don't know if that was the right choice, but I think it was because it's been really nice to not have to be tied to people and just be able to be honest and give you guys my honest response to things. So uh, the reason I, I said all that is because Vivek retweeted my stuff. I'm not being, you know, this is not, I'm not like promoting Vivek because he retweeted my stuff. I just think it was cool that he noticed uh, the video and that again, when I see uh, political candidates interacting with regular everyday Americans like myself on Twitter, going, you know, Vivek, when he was in West Palm Beach for the Turning Point event, he, he went out to this restaurant, was just out there with regular everyday average Americans talking to them, getting to know them. I think that's so important. So super cool that Vivek retweeted my latest video. Thank you. I actually have the full video coming out on my YouTube channel. Um, it should be dropping this Friday. And I basically went and I did like a pop quiz in New York. And uh, yeah, it, it went as well as you would have guessed it would. In this video that Vivek retweeted, I was asking Americans, hey, what did the Declaration of Independence do, right? Which in itself is like one of those questions that's kind of self-explanatory that if people just even thought about the title, they'd be like, oh, Declaration of Independence answers 
itself via its title, but they had no idea. Um, so anyways, that video will be dropping really great that Vivek is, uh, interacting with people the way that he is. And, um, yeah, DeSantis should probably take notes because to be quite honest, uh, his campaign is dead in the water right now. I'm not going to lie. Now, the reason why it's important for us to be informed um, about the Biden's corruption, about the Trump indictments, about, you know, other good potential political candidates as well, and paying attention to all of this is because the U United States of America is at stake here. Like DC Drano stated, if Trump wins, he can pardon himself and this endless cycle of corruption that we're seeing will be cleaned up. If Donald Trump does not get into office, he goes to jail, the country is lost. And we're already living through like a very, I would even say like soft core version of how bad things can get. Uh, this is a headline that came out the other day from the New York Post, gas prices hit eight month high as oil prices soar and there's no relief in sight. Uh, so apparently the average price of gas is over $3.70 per gallon. And um, of course, many people saying that, oh, this is Russia's fault. This is OPEC's fault because they're deciding to slash crude oil production. Uh, you also have Saudi Arabia that uh, decided to slash their crude oil production. And this is really hurting the United States. Uh, but guess what, guys? <clears throat> Remember, that under Donald Trump, we had low gas prices because Donald Trump was all about, uh, you know, the United States not being dependent on foreign oil and utilizing our own oil supply, allowing us to pump our own oil, which Joe Biden has severely hampered. So gas prices hitting an eight month high, and this is severely impacting everyday Americans. The economy is not doing great right now. And then what are the other issues we're being faced with as well? We have the border that is still wide open. New York City, and I'm putting out a video, a deep dive on just how New York has spiraled out of control, is still facing a surge of migrants. And I know you guys might be like, okay, Sal, why are we focusing on New York? Yeah, okay, you think they're getting hit hard. Look what border cities have to deal with every day. I know, I live in Texas, okay? Spare me your commentary. The reason we highlight New York is because it looks so, because it's so much more apparent in New York, right? Because in New York, they don't have the resources. They boasted for years about being a sanctuary city, about having their right to shelter laws. But when push came to shove and migrants showed up at their door, they're now being faced with the reality of mass immigration. And I focus in on New York because it is basically a gleam, like a gleaming example of what the entire United States of America is and going to continue to look like if we keep the border open. So I uh, just let me highlight very quickly what's happening in New York because you have migrants sleeping on the streets over there on behalf of Joe Biden's open border policy. I'm a reporter in New York City and this is what I'm covering this Monday morning. I took this video at around 4.30 this morning outside the Roosevelt Hotel in Manhattan on 45th Street. This is actually on 46th Street, but I'm just showing on this side to show the line of migrants that are sleeping on the sidewalk. So there you guys go. This video continues on and she's walking throughout this block and you just have lines of migrants. Uh, the majority, I think almost all of them, single adult males, mostly from Africa. I have a couple of friends that are currently over there right now reporting on this issue and this is what they're seeing i actually might have to make my way to new york myself just because you guys know that i've been at the forefront of reporting on the migrant crisis in new york too because the new york taxpayers are having to foot the bill when i went over there in may just three months ago okay three months the city was saying there was over sixty-five thousand illegal immigrants that have made their way to new york since last spring now, August 2nd, that new number is projected to be over 93,000. Last year, at the end of the year, uh, Eric Adams was stating that the illegal immigration was going to be costing New York taxpayers about a billion dollars. That new estimate projected at over $4.2 billion. This is in a year. This is in the span of less than a year. 
maybe a little bit over since last spring regarding the numbers growing, but not the uh, estimates of the budget. Okay, so just a gleaming example of where the country is currently at the mass migration crisis that is happening because of Joe Biden and why it is important that we get good leaders into office. Uh, also, I've highlighted all of the crazy ways that uh, Eric Adams has tried to keep up with this migrant crisis that he has ushered into his own doorstep. And he's now proposing... Um, using kids' soccer fields to house 2,000 migrants. And funny thing about this article as well is, again, this is specifically for single male adult migrants. Are we seeing a pattern here, my friends? Now, funny enough, every single time Democrats have to face the consequences of their own actions, they kind of bulk and they're like, wait, what? What do you mean the migrant crisis is on my doorstep? We wanted you to deal with the migrant crisis. We didn't want them coming over here to New York. We got our own problems because we don't, you know, institute the laws over here. So it's very lawless. Like you can't, you can't just be bringing more migrants over here as well and make us deal with that, even though we asked for it and we're a sanctuary city. Here is Eric Adams. Democrat, okay, his newly updated stance on the immigration status because he reached out for federal help from Biden. And the Biden administration has basically been ignoring him, probably because they're being hit with so much corruption exposure that they're having to cover it up. And they're like, look, Eric Adams, okay, sorry that there's migrants on your doorstep. Yes, that's our fault. Um, but you see the D next to your name? You wanted this. This is this is your fault too. Take the migrants and shut up. Here's Eric Adams. Um, as of late, his response to, to migrants now in open borders. Eventually, this was going to come to a neighborhood near you. Having someone embedded is a good start. That, that came from the Secretary of Homeland Security. We want to thank him. But I've been very clear on what we need. We need to control the border. We need to call a state of emergency, and we need to properly fund this national crisis. <laughs> Wait, what? We got a Democrat saying we needed to secure the border. How bad is New York? Oh, 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 yeah, that's bad. That is bad. If you're a podcast listener, I am playing B-roll of the huge mass of African migrants, again, majority, if not all male, that are just chilling on the streets of New York, waiting for their free handouts. If you guys are not aware of the severity of this issue, if you're new to this channel, I sat down with a whistleblower who actually worked in one of these hotels in New York. He was like one of the lead people of these hotels. And the reason why they come in droves is because they're getting free Metro cards to go on the subway. They get free meals. They get free hotels. They get free health care. If they bring their woman over and their woman is about to have an anchor baby, they take them to the hospital. They give them a crib. They give them a bassinet. And... Again, New York has rolled out the red carpet for them. They uh, put up these 10 cities. They gave them freaking Nintendo switches and couches. And uh, that lasted only so long. Now, a year later, you have mass migration that has led to people sleeping on the streets of New York. And this open border issue isn't going to stop anytime soon. This is from my friend uh, Juan Mendoza. Now, he lives in Laredo and he went to... Nuevo Laredo, and there were 250 migrants protesting at the port of entry because the CBP-1 app is not working. So if you guys think that because nobody's really, you know, at the border, we're not seeing the issues, that there's not people streaming over every single day, you would be wrong. Again, 250 migrants protesting at the border, Texas-Mexico border here, because Joe Biden's app, the CBP-1 app, which he told migrants to use to seek asylum, doesn't work. So how much longer before those people surge? Because that's a big group. All right. The United States of America is in a state of decline, and there is so much at stake in 2024. And to be quite honest, if you guys ask me the question, well, Sav, the election system doesn't really look like it's going to work. How can we have faith in it? How do we know? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that out myself. OK, I'm only 26. This is only my second election. I'll be completely honest with you guys here. And when I don't know the answer to something, I'll be really honest with it. It's why I try to listen to and, uh, you know, focus in on so much political commentary, whether it is from the left or the right, because I genuinely am like, OK, well, what is the answer here? The answer is we need to get Donald Trump back into office because he is the only one that's going to truly clean this up. How do we get to that point? 
I don't know. I really don't. There are people who have been in politics and analyze this and understand this from a legal perspective better than I do. Maybe it's time for me to bring on a guest and have somebody on to really get into the uh, you know, inner workings, the nuts and bolts of how we can truly get Donald Trump back into office. But you know, with my 26-year-old wisdom, the only thing that I can tell you guys right now is to just be informed, informed enough to combat all of the lies that we are going to be inundated and faced with ahead of 2024 to wake up your neighbor and say, hey, do you notice gas is super high? Kind of sucks. The economy kind of isn't fun, right? Like maybe you should try to vote for Donald Trump. I feel like if enough people really vote for Donald Trump, we can have, I'm not going to say like a fair election, but I think there's a chance, all right? I am not giving up on America. I'm not going to give up hope that we can get him back into office. I think that we can. And if you guys think that, you know, putting all of our baskets our eggs in Donald Trump's basket is a losing uh, move. I disagree, but let me know in the comments what your thoughts are. I just, the energy isn't there for DeSantis. Vivek is awesome, but like I said, he's the Tulsi of this race for the Republicans. Uh, RFK, the Democrats are never going to run him. Like, let's be honest, the Democrats don't have anybody to run. It's why they're in such a state of panic and they keep attacking Donald Trump because Joe, Joe Biden's brain dead. He's dying before our eyes. Kamala Harris is an idiot. Gavin Newsom, if they wanted to run him, is universally hated by everyone, including Californians. I really don't think Michelle Obama is going to run. Maybe she will. Our first trans president could be interesting. And uh, RFK has way too much common sense for the Democrats to actually run him. So my end to political commentary there, I hope you guys have a little bit better of an understanding of what this indictment was about. Like I said, I really do this show for me so I can understand where we're at politically. But then it's also cool too that I can sit here with you guys and I can talk with you and be like, hey, let's talk about this in layman's terms together. Because we can hear on the news, oh, Trump indicted uh, indicted a third time, but it's like, okay, let's get into the nuts and bolts of what that means. So thank you guys for sticking with me for that. Love you all to death. Let's get into some culture news and then we'll wrap up here. Now, one of my favorite things is to see the left eating their own and uh, the queen of body positivity, Lizzo herself, is currently being sued by former backup dancers for fat shaming them on top of making them eat bananas out of strippers hoo-hahs. Yes, Lizzo is being uh, sued for this. And you know what? This lawsuit is absolutely hilarious. I wrote this piece for the Post Millennial if you guys want all the details on it. But it's hilarious because the, the trend that we're seeing here, because more black women specifically are coming out and being like, I worked with Lizzo on a documentary. This documentary uh, director came out. She was like, and Lizzo did not respect black women's authority, right? If you read this suit, the woman that she fat shamed, never Lizzo never mentioned her weight, but they were like, it doesn't seem like you take your dancing seriously enough to which she interpreted as, oh, it's because of my weight. So they're fat shaming me. And then uh, regarding Lizzo sexually harassing these dancers and trying to get them to eat bananas out of strippers' vaginas, which again, weird situation. I don't agree with that. Uh, but it was funny because now they're like, oh, Lizzo doesn't respect bodily autonomy. And it's just such leftist jargon here. And it's a lot of big egos because women in the modern day have been told that they're queens and that they need to be respected and that women need to be uplifting women. But when you have the power players like Lizzo, because, you know, you can't have other people out fatting Lizzo, okay? She's got to be the queen bee of the fats. So... I don't know, maybe she was intimidated by the other girl because she was getting too fat and Lizzo was like, yo, stop eating the snacks. Those are for me. Get back to dancing. Um, but it's just funny to read this lawsuit because it is really a lot of, it kind of sounds like very, I don't want to say fully like entitlement here, but it is a lot of like, oh, this woman made this mean comment about me and it could have been about my weight. So I'm going to sue her for it. What these dancers went through actually was not the best. Lizzo seems like a horrible person. Uh, I'm going to be honest with that one. So I'm not saying that she's not to blame. Uh, you know, classically, the um, body positivity people are always the most negative and the biggest bullies. I don't know why, but I mean, going down like the body positivity rabbit holes and every single body positivity influencer or like even that whole entire uh 
microcosm of people. It's like, if you are in the body positivity movement, and you're fat, and then you lose weight, they get mad at you for losing weight, because they don't actually want you to be healthier. And they think that you're fat phobic, if you start getting healthier, if you want to make different uh, decisions about your life. So it's just, it's a really toxic movement. Lizzo deserves all of this. Uh, it's hilarious for me to see. Um, going back into one more body positivity thing here. Another issue I'm seeing is morbidly obese women saying that they're healthy. This comes from the Daily Mail Online. Um, Britain's top fat influencer trolls say I'm a whale, but I know I'm healthy. And then it's photos of this woman who is clearly not healthy. And my friend Gina says, toxic mean girls who promote body positivity will cheer her on and tell her she is perfect. Meanwhile, she is slowly killing herself and suffering from a metabolic disorder, insulin resistance, etc. Lying to someone is not compassion. And I really liked the way she phrased that because absolutely um, telling this woman that she's healthy when she clearly isn't is toxic. It's mean. It's It's not nice. It's like it's clearly people who don't want to see this woman truly succeed and they want her to remain on their level because it makes them feel better about their bad and lazy life choices. And that's why when anybody in this movement elevates past that and is like, you know what, I'm not going to be a victim anymore. I'm going to get fit. I'm going to take control of my life. I'm going to start disciplining myself. That's why they get angry and they push back. Now making a jump here to tennis, Chinese tennis star, Yi Bing Wu, 23 years old, collapses in Sigari City Open Scene. Yes, we have another story of a young athlete collapsing. A scary moment occurred at the uh, DC Open on Monday when Yi Bing Wu, a 23-year-old tennis player from China, collapsed on the court. Now, he was beating his opponent 4-1 to one in the first set when the scary scene unfolded and forced him to retire from the match. And this is the second time in a matter of weeks that Wu had collapsed during a tennis tournament. So another heartbreaking story here, but again, very much coincidental that all of these young, healthy individuals and athletes keep collapsing. Am I right? Especially a Chinese athlete when we know that China was at the forefront of pushing vaccinations uh, during COVID, but that's none of my business. Another funny thing that has been happening, um, apparently Japanese Twitter was really angry because you had Oppenheimer and the Barbie movie coming out. And so people called it Barbenheimer and they like mashed the two together. And the Japanese were really upset because they were like, don't joke about the atomic bomb. How would Americans feel if we made memes about 9-11? And so Japanese Twitter started making all of these memes about 9-11. And Nick from Tokyo on Twitter goes, in an attempt to get Americans to see why Japan finds Barbenheimer offensive, Japanese Twitter has taken to making 9-11 jokes, completely misunderstanding that Americans love 9-11 jokes. Now, I know we're not supposed to joke about it 9-11, and I do respect everybody who died in 9-11, but also sometimes the memes are funny, and I thought that this situation was funny, but I was also reading this story from the New York Post because I wanted to understand the Japanese mindset a little bit more, and I thought it was really interesting to see the cultural differences in mindsets, especially in regards to patriotism and love for one's country. So the reason why Japanese users did not take this joke lightly is because they really respect their country. Uh, let me see if I can find the exact quote here that I was trying to find. Okay, I think it's right here. Americans' heart and response seem to appall more reverent Japanese social media users, including the person who incited the Barbenheimer backlash. Quote, it's an incredibly unethical national character, snapped the initiator of the no Barbenheimer movement. I have never seen a Japanese making jokes about the atomic bomb. I'm glad I was born in a decent country. So very interesting cultural difference there between Americans and vers versus the Japanese. I think humor isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think you can respect 9-11 while potentially still enjoying a 9-11 meme. Maybe that's a controversial take. But more importantly, I think it's really interesting that the Japanese have so much respect for their country that this is not even something that they would joke about. Meanwhile, in America, 
like to me, it kind of just plays into the lack of respect that we have for our country. I don't know. Let me let me know in the chat what you guys think about this. I'd love to hear your commentary on on it. Uh, but I thought it was interesting to see like Jap Japan being so upset about Barbenheimer, trying to tease Americans about it via nine eleven. Which I mean, I even thought that tweet was kind of funny, and then really listening to the Japanese and being like, oh, wow, like that's actually beautiful. They don't want people making fun of Japan because they actually care about their country. Speaking of not caring about one's country, we've seen it time and time again. Thieves robbing stores, nobody doing anything about it. Well, this incredible video has just come out of an older Indian man literally spanking a thief on his ass after watching this guy try to rob his store. Now, if this criminal's parents had done this to him when he was a kid, probably wouldn't be up to this grown store owner to do it for them. But this video is absolutely amazing. Watch this. Ain't nothing you can do, man, until the police come out. Hey, hey, no, hey, don't, hey. Ain't nothing you can do, man. Don't do that. Don't do that, man. Don't do that. I'm sorry, but I love that video. If you're a podcast listener, jump over to Rumble and watch that video. It's amazing. It's just this older man just whapping this guy with a gigantic stick, probably a broom handle, and this thief just being like, oh, please, please. Now, I cut this video down because it's about two minutes long, and for the entire first minute of the video, this criminal is just trashing this guy's store he has a trash can with him and he's just grabbing as many cigarettes as he can throwing them in the trash can and the guy filming the video was like there's nothing you can do bro there's nothing you could do even asking the criminal like hey can i get a swisher nothing you can do man talking to the store owner as you could hear him in the video at the end there guys just going ham for about a minute trying to steal and then when he tries to leave store owner goes ham gets the stick on him reminds me of my childhood that's what my mom used to do to me when i would act up in the store Beat my ass. That's why I'm disciplined as an adult. I guess it works. Anyways, uh, let's watch one last video before we wrap for the night of a based old man rejecting the cashless society. We love to see it. Watch this video. Tracked and apt to buy anything. I'm going to buy some strawberries and I'm offering exactly the right amount of money here on the help desk. So you people take that money, £1.90, and I will take my strawberries outside. You can't take that. You can't take that. You can't take that. You can't take that. I have paid for legal tender. No, no, no. Don't break the door. Do not break the door. I paid by legal tender. And I am going out with my strawberries. And I'm going to eat them. I'm going to eat my strawberries. I paid by legal tender in this dystopian place. Love that video. And this is the type of energy that we need. If we want to take this country back, if we want to reinstate common sense, if we want to reject the cashless society, the WEF, the climate nonsense, uh, you know, us not being an entire country that runs on oil when we have been for the beginning of time. Well, it's the beginning of us like being able to run out of oil. You guys know what I mean. If we want all of these things to not come to fruition, we have to take the energy that this old man dished out and say, I reject that. I gave you my legal tender. I'm taking my strawberries and I'm leaving. We need the energy of the base shop owner being like, oh, crime, bad things, whap, stick. No, we're not dealing with it. That's the energy we need in 2023 and in 2024 if we're going to take this country back. Anyways, my friends, that's all I've got for you on this episode of Rapid Fire. Again, please go leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you do like the show. I read every single one, and I will start reading two reviews at the start of this show. So if you want your review read on the show, go leave a review. Also, remember to keep your eye on SavSaysOfficial.com because that is where we will be doing the merch drop. 
first week of October for my birthday. It's going to be a one-week exclusive merch drop. We will have t-shirts. We will potentially have other forms of merchandise. I haven't gotten that far yet. I'm still thinking about it, guys. I'm working on it actively right now. But you guys asked, and I finally listened. So one week exclusive merch drop. It will be happening in October. Light tease about it now. Let me know in the comments what type of merch you would like to see. I'm currently working on everything. Thank you guys for liking, sharing, subscribing, all of that good stuff. Big shout out to my subscribe star subscribers for helping me get this merch drop up and running. And a big thanks to you for being awake enough to be here to listen to me rant and ramble. I appreciate each and every single one of you. And uh, I'll see you guys next time.